entering the Freedom Hut. How much lockdown tyranny is too much? Governor Cuomo says no bathrooms for New York City restaurant customers who are eating outdoors. The ugly politics of who gets the vaccine first. And journos are the enemies of free speech. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. You're a great American the Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. You know that it's going to be quite a day when the president of the United States with his 80 million plus followers retweets a question you ask about masks. You know that it's going to be one of those days that all of a sudden the left, the lockdown lives, the, the loons science they're coming at you from all corners and and i'm having one of those days so i want to dive into this a little bit because when you have the leader of the free world think that what you've said is worth sharing to everybody and it causes a stir there's already a story up in the daily mail about it uh so this is getting a whole lot of a whole lot of activity um I, i think it's worth looking at this It's worth understanding really what the debate is, because on the same day that this has sparked kind of a fury online, uh, Governor Cuomo of New York has said that you are not allowed to go indoors for the sole purpose of using the restroom one at a time in a restaurant with outdoor dining that is still for the time being allowed. So you can eat outdoors by law in New York City. But you cannot pee indoors by law in New York City. But because of Mayor de Blasio, you can, in fact, relieve yourself on the street in New York City without getting a criminal summons. That was a nice change to things that he put into place. As if it didn't smell like an open sewer here enough already. When is it too much? When do people realize that the things they are making us do that the elites who do not take these rules seriously for their own purposes, but love to inflict them on all the rest of us. When do we realize that this is crazy, that there are risks in life, that there are things that are going to be continuing problems for us, including this covid virus. But we shouldn't just obey everything the government says because they say so. How could I argue against this? Oh, gee, there are so many ways. The test and trace core in New York City only tests and trace for people who have been indoors exposed to somebody with covid for 15 minutes or more. How many of you need 15 minutes in the bathroom at a restaurant? Probably not very many. So what are they really saying? You mask up when you go to the bathroom. You you have to wear a mask. I mean, if you get up from the table, I have been in restaurants where they have made people who got up to go to the... They're sitting there without a mask on, because this all makes a lot of sense. But you put a mask on when you go to the bathroom. But somehow, that's not safe. Even one at a time, from the outside to inside, not safe enough. Don't pee indoors, pee on the street. That's Cuomo's COVID policy right now. That's where we are. And and I just want to know, how much more humiliating does it get... Before everyone realizes, and I know some of you are saying, oh, Buck, but it's not as bad in my part of the country. What do you think a Biden administration is going to do? 
What do you think? You think they're going to let this go or they're going to federalize as much of this as they possibly can? They're going to pressure states. You don't think they'll threaten to withhold federal funding unless your state kicks in some of these more extreme mandates, too? Think again. The Obama administration threatened to withhold funds from Department of Education budgets unless a state complied with its transgender primary school policy. Remember transgender bathroom usage? We're going to pull public school funding unless this state in question concedes, unless they uh, unless they give up and do what we tell them to do. And you don't think that they'll do that in the Biden administration? If you think this is a New York only problem, I'm here to tell you this whole thing was pretty much a New York only problem back in February, March. How long has it been now? Almost a year. And so that brings me to how, how much more are we going to take of this? Because we're, we're heading for at least six more months of it. Up, down, how much more? How much more are we going to suffer through? That's right. They, they make these arbitrary decisions and they'll pull your, they'll pull your uh, liquor license, which shuts down a restaurant. You can't make a profit. You can't survive without it. Just pull your liquor license if you let people go to the bathroom. But we're masking up when we go to the bathroom. I thought masks were really effective. I can't mask up and go to the bathroom. I thought I should be fine. Nope, not allowed because they say so. Oh, yeah, where's the science on this? Where's the science on all these people outdoors wearing masks all the time? Just wondering. Does anyone want to try to explain to me if it's 1% in restaurants, thousands and thousands of restaurants that have had indoor dining for months now, and that's, the, that's what they think the COVID spread is, might be a little more, might be a little less, what is it outdoors? Probably close to zero. But everyone's wearing masks anyway. And if you don't, people look at you like you're a crazy person. This is a cult now. This has gone beyond. There are times, and just to be very clear, there are circumstances where in a clinical setting, in a hospital, around elderly relatives, there are times when I think, yeah, a little extra precaution is called for. We have gone way beyond that. And we're not even allowed to talk about this anymore. And that then brings me to, so like I said, we are at the point now where they are, they are actually humiliating us. They are humiliating American citizens. They're making us do stuff that is absurd, is appalling, and is demeaning to protect us. Because Dr. Fauci says so. Because the Fauci is like, hey, no Christmas for you, no New Year's, no January, no February, maybe March. You can start to breathe fresh air, go outside for a minute, maybe a minute, not more. What exactly has this guy contributed to this? What, what breakthrough is he responsible for? What brilliant policy has he advocated for? And then that brings me to the mask mandate, which and this is what President Trump. Uh, this is what President Trump uh, retweeted this morning, which is why I have blue check journals from all over the place. I, I also love it. I love it when they when they refer to me as stupid. And I just kind of laugh because I think. We all know that I'm smarter than you, LibJourno. Like everyone who knows anything actually understands that. So don't I wouldn't go there. I would go. I would find another place for the battle. You know, make fun of my name, which they all like to do. That's fine. Whatever. I mean, people that do that are so pathetic and not clever that it's, it's actually amusing to me. But uh, this is the tweet that has gotten now, you know, the Daily Mail's writing it up and everyone's all, oh, my gosh. So a fellow I don't even know this guy. But he just shared an interesting graphic. His name is uh, his, his Twitter handle is Ian MSC. And he shared he shared data 
um, from Our World in Data. So that was the source on it. And it is about mask mandates. And he wrote, while Denmark already had a mask mandate for public transit, they expanded mask requirements on 1029 to cover all indoor public spaces. So let's see how that's working out for them. So on August, Denmark had a very, very low level of cases, right? Very low level of cases per million is the way the graphic is shown. And you're at basically 25 cases per million, uh, all or, or 25 cases per million, let's say, all through the summer. So very, very few. Can remember Denmark only has about, I think, uh, 10 million people, something like that. I got to check on the population, actually. But they had very low cases. And then all of a sudden they got, I'm sorry, 5 million. Sweden is 10 million. Denmark is 5.8 million. So they had very few cases. And then they put a public mask mandate in on August 22nd. And you get into September and all of a sudden the cases have basically at least doubled or tripled, maybe quadrupled. And then you get to October 29th and then they have an all indoor spaces mask mandate. And then you get to present and they've gone from about, let's call it 20 cases per million to 525 plus cases per million. So if this was a stock, you would have made a lot of money. Tragically, this is a chart of covid cases, which means there are fatalities uh, attached to it. So, you know what's going on here. This is getting much, much, much worse after mandates were put in place. Now, all I said, I didn't I didn't because because also I don't want to get banned again on. I've just been dealing with my bands last few weeks. All I said is. I asked the experts this question in earnest. What would this graph of covid cases look like without mask mandates? Mask work is the mantra. You're not allowed to say anything else on Twitter. And that is a fact. But how well do mandates work? I asked the question in response. I showed data and I asked a question. How well do mandates work? And all I get from all over the lib blue check and otherwise, and I mean, I don't read the non blue check lib psychos that come after me. All I get all over the Internet is mask denier. You know, oh, my gosh, this person so stupid, doesn't understand the science. And I see you're saying, OK, smart asses. Why is it that ma- that Florida doesn't have a mandate or any mandates about masks? New York and California do. And they're roughly equivalent right now. And overall, Florida has been much better off against COVID. Now they'll say, oh, because New York is more densely populated. Okay, well, let's look at the cities. Let's go city by city. Oh, New York City is more densely populated even than Miami or Tampa or something. Okay, let's compare it to California then. Where they've been the mask, the, the masters of masking, right? They've been all about it there. Gavin Newsom, I mean, not really, right? Behind closed doors, he doesn't care. He goes to French Laundry. It's all a joke to him. But we're not supposed to pay attention to that. I ask this question. You know what they say? They, they, show, me, they show me Denmark. And they say, look at Denmark, look at Sweden. Sweden's much worse off than Denmark is. And I say, okay, that's interesting. Um, what about Belgium? You want to so so run the same. I'm really I ask them this and I try to go back and forth. OK, smart ass. So you showed me Denmark. Denmark's doing a little better than Sweden is. That's true. Belgium's had a mask mandate in place. Well, how's how's Belgium doing? Oh, the, the worst per capita fatality in all of Europe, actually, in Belgium. That's really interesting, isn't it? How's the UK doing? How's Italy doing? How's Spain doing? Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Is it all because of Donald Trump? 
and the anti-maskers who like Donald Trump or support Donald Trump? Is that what's causing Europe to have the problems that it does? Now, there's a lot of room for debate here. And I've been saying this. You know I'm consistent. I've been saying this all along. Maybe it's 5%. Maybe it's 10%. I don't know. Maybe it's 50 Although that, if, if masks had a 50% reduction in the spread of this virus when used in actual human usage, right? You think of a, not to get too graphic here, there are prophylactic devices out there. There's always the perfect usage, hashtag science, perfect usage and human usage. These are not the same thing. And a lot of people that end up with the human usage end up having babies or, you know, end up getting pregnant. Whereas the perfect usage is 99%. The human usage is down. In the, and I'm not trying to, you know, you guys all know what I'm talking about. It's more like, I think, in the 85 range or something. That's a big difference. Okay, let's look at masks. Do we think we have perfect usage or human usage? Okay, we have human usage. So we know that it's not going to be perfect. So we know it's less than 100% effective. How effective is it? And under what circumstances is it at that efficacy? And why can't we see this shown on a chart? Why is it that I ask questions like and I'm actually asking and when they come at me with something else I love when they, they pick they'll, they'll show you a graph from from May to July or May to August of masking and they'll say see look at how we flatten the curve and I say why are you stopping it in August we're in we're in December let's see the rest of the graph oh the rest of the graph goes up like a hockey stick why'd you leave that out right this this is this is where we are now you're not allowed to ask. You're not allowed to find out. Shut up. Do what you're told. Go go use the street as the toilet instead of the one inside the restaurant for your safety. What's next? I mean, you got oh, you got a lot of things. You got mandatory vaccination coming your way. That's going to be nationwide, by the way, under a Biden administration. You're going to have um, a continuation of lockdowns and mask policies even after you get vaccinated. How much is enough? How much is too much? When do we decide we're not going to do this anymore? I don't know. A lot of people are, are there. There's a combination of a couple of things. People who love to control others, people who are just terrified and can't think rationally about any of this. And I feel sympathy for them, but there's a lot of them out there. And people who are just desperate to not be wrong, to look dumb because they're so smart. And a lot of them. Our journos coming at yours truly today. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Does it make you feel better that Kamala says they're not going to punish people under a Biden administration for not wearing masks or not doing uh, all these mandates the way that we're, su- we're supposed to? Does it make you feel better? It shouldn't make you feel better. It's not true. If they want to and they find a way to, they will punish people. How crazy are some places getting over this? You know, I was supposed to go the one vacation I have all year. I was going to go to the Caribbean. The one vacation I was ta- I took I would have taken this whole year. I know a lot of you. No one's gone on vacation this year, but it was the only one that I had planned even before the pandemic because I can't take off the time from this show. And I was going to go to the Caribbean because I want to lie on a beach and stare at the sky and, you know, read books that aren't about politics or history or actually probably read history books. That's not the point. The point is. That I didn't go because I wanted to stay in the U.S. because I knew that there was going to be crazy stuff because of COVID. And here's an example of it. An 18 year old student from Georgia and her water sports athlete were sentenced to four months in prison 
by a court in the Cayman Islands because she slipped out of her wristband monitor to watch him compete at a local race instead of quarantining after arriving from the U.S. Skylar Mack and her boyfriend, jet skier Vanjay Ramgeet, were jailed immediately after their sentences were handed down on Tuesday. An island judge issued a four-month term. This was a flagrant breach, as could be imagined, Court Justice Roger Chappell told the court. It was born of selfishness and arrogance. Now, you might want to know something here. Um, they weren't even positive for the virus. They violated the policy, the mandate of if you arrive on our island, you have to quarantine. And they got sent to prison for four months. Now, I know you're saying, oh, that's not... Uh, how many of you would like to spend four months in a Caymanian jail? I got to tell you, I'm sure it is not pleasant. Four months in prison because she's a healthy person at almost no risk who does not have the virus. I'm sure I would I would bet you all the money that you would want to bet right now that she doesn't have covid, but she broke the mandate. So she goes to prison. That bet is off now, by the way, because I can't make bets on her. Uh, yeah. And then there's a guy from Ireland. There's a guy from Ireland um, who rode a jet ski to go see his beloved. He doesn't even know how to swim. The guy must have really wanted to see her. And he, he took a jet ski across. I don't know if he went to or came from Ireland, but he, he took a jet ski across the Irish Sea to see his girlfriend. Broke quarantine rules. He's going to jail, too. He's going to jail, too. They are locking people up now for this stuff. Do you think that they're going to do more or less of that in the months ahead? Do you think there'll be more or less of this in a Biden administration? I'm just wondering. I feel like we should have the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is there going to be a COVID funding bill out there are we going to get this omnibus package what's the hold up what's happening with that plus more on lockdowns and i want to also put on your radar folks immigration illegal immigration that is expected to spike big time in the months ahead we'll get into all that with our friend uh, congressman andy biggs from arizona congressman thanks for coming back Buck, always good to be with you. Before I forget, have a Merry Christmas. Good holiday season. To Thank you, sir. Same, same to you. Merry Christmas. So t- tell me this. How, how is your state doing? I, I want to get into the omnibus and the spending, but, you know, I, I don't want to have a this, this is a, a show that I want people to be able to listen to any, you know, all across the country as they do. And I want them to know how it's going in different places in Arizona. What are you seeing right now with the handling of covid? Well, so it's it's the threats of more lockdowns, uh, the threats of mask mandates. We have a, a tremendous mask wearing compliance. Everybody's complying, uh, but guess what? We have an increase in in uh, in uh, COVID positive uh, detection. You've got an increase in hospitalizations, but you still have lots of headroom both in the emergency department and regular rooms, uh, and and you have an increase in in uh, fatalities. But as uh, we, it's called the Maricopa method of counting, and some states have adopted it. And if you die within 60 days of having tested positive for COVID, regardless of the reason, they will count that as a COVID death. That that seems to be 
not not a, a scientific approach to finding out the cause of death, Congressman. Well, Buck, uh, we left science a long time ago in, in this uh, this coronavirus uh, deal. We really did. Um, and if you ask any questions, if you're heterodox in any way from the public health orthodoxy, you're going to be branded a heretic. Uh, they're going to try to cancel you. They're going to come after you. And I've had I've experienced that nonstop for months because I ask questions. And, and well, well, yeah. And what what is the? Do you guys have an? Do you have a just an indoor mask mandate there? Outdoor mandate? What's the status? Well, it's it's here's part of the confusion. It's different wherever you go, but but uh, there it's. Certainly when you go indoors. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You can go up to the host desk at a restaurant with your mask on. you got to wear it till you sit down maybe 10, 15 feet from there, maybe 25 feet from there. And then you just pop it off, uh, take off the mask. And, and you know what? It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It is. It makes no sense at all. But anyway, this is, what we're, this is the world we're in right now. Congressman, people do want to know, What's happening with a covid relief package before you tell us um, before you tell us. And you know, by the time some people hear this, there may be there may be a deal done. Right. A lot of people listen on demand. But before you tell us what could happen, why hasn't there been the hundreds of billions of dollars of aid to the American people passed by the Congress, given that the government is the cause of the economic shutdowns? Well, so before the election, there was legislation by Republicans that would have uh, finished spending the PPP money, which was from the original bill, that could have gone out months ago. But Nancy Pelosi did not want uh, President Trump to have a victory, so for political purposes, she shut that bill down and um, prevented it. Now you've got, uh, just like every time they've done it, instead of doing the bill where you're targeting people and you're getting accountability, because we know that there's been fraud out there, um, anytime you put that kind of money out in, in public life, you're going to get some fraud, you're going to get some people who really need it. But instead of taking the stuff that we all agreed on, which was PPP um, uh, uh, benefits, They've, they've blurted it up again. So there's going to be all kinds of things. There's going to be uh, direct payments to people again. There's going to be, um, you're going to get the unemployment uh, boost uh, by $300 uh, per week through March. And if there's one thing small business told me uh, consistently was, please don't do that because we've got jobs we can't get people to come back to. And, uh, and they didn't did pass it for political purposes solely because, um, Pelosi wanted to say, look, you know, Trump didn't get this done. Speaking of Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona, uh, Congressman, you're you got a big border there along with Mexico, and you're you're starting to see some interesting stories in the news about a surge. I've already seen it. It's not not getting a lot of news attention, but it's out there. Caravans starting to move up from Central America. What's going on? Yeah, so there's one moving right now. There's several others forming. Cartels are advertising again for caravans. Uh, you know, these NGOs uh, are advertising for caravans and, and what to do when you get up here. Uh, almost 70,000 apprehensions in November. Uh, it's going to be higher than that, pretty close to 100,000 in December. But it's the gotaways that are important. Uh, more drugs, drugs are, are coming across again. It's all going up, and it all boils down to um, 
what Joe Biden has said his administration is going to do. And I just got off with talking with a, a Border Patrol agent before you and I, I got together. And I said, well, what's going on? He said, well, I just interviewed. First of all, he said, just south of the border right now, there's a gang, uh, not a gang necessarily, but a group of probably two to 300 people staging to come across the border. But they caught uh, an individual yesterday, and uh, this agent asked the person, why'd you come across? He said, uh, Biden said there's no deportations, and, and Biden said that uh, there's not going to be, um, you're not going to be detained. And because you have no deportations, you have no detention plan, you have a 100-day moratorium, uh, and there's a promise of amnesty, there's promise of, to support the sanctuary cities, there is now no reason not to come. It's, it's sound logic from their perspective, because I do think that under a Biden administration, um, that there is going to be a huge push for amnesty. I think that that's going to be the top of the of the Democrat agenda, because they'll say this is very centrist. You know, this is it'll be like comprehensive immigration reform 2.0 under Barack Obama. That I think that's exactly what we're going to see. And so it does make sense for illegals to try from their perspective to try to come across the border now. And I think we're going to see an enormous problem because you're also going to have a, a likely Democrat administration here. I mean, he is the president elect as of now. Um, where they're determining that they're not going to want to enforce the laws against people that are showing up. Uh, they're going to try to use the loopholes to say, oh, we're enforcing laws, but we're still allowing a lot of illegal entries to stay in the United States. Um, Congressman, I, I also I'm just wondering, I mean, do you have do you have any thoughts that you can share on the state of play with with Arizona, with with any do you have any hope for any of the remaining legal challenges either in your home state or anywhere else right now with regard to this election and getting some answers. I mean, I, I know you can't predict the future, but I'm wondering, are you, are, are you done? Well, I think in Arizona, what's happened is the state Senate has issued subpoenas for um, doc, uh, the, ba- the ballots, envelopes, and machines, so they, so, and they have a forensic audit team ready to commence uh, uh, immediately. Uh, and the problem is whether the Maricopa County, which is over five million people and a lion's share of Arizona voters in it, will actually respond favorably to the subpoena. In fact, uh, they're meeting, um, and they they didn't take a position yesterday when they met, and hopefully they will give those so we can have the audit. Once the audit's done, it'll put this to bed, at least in Arizona. Was there uh, a lot of fraud? Was there no fraud? And believe me, uh, you've got by far most Republicans think there were fraud. By far most Democrats believe there was no fraud. And the independents, it's uh, kind of split evenly that there was fraud. So you, you really ought to put it to bed. And I, I'm putting my trust in Arizona uh, in the, this forensic audit because that's what every state should have done was a true forensic audit, it will tell you where fraud took place, if any took place at all. Are, are we going to find out, I mean, and just, just again in, in Arizona, which is one of the states that's been right right in the center of this storm, did did people double vote? Did dead people vote? I mean, will there, are you confident, Congressman, that I'll be having you back on this show in the new year at some point, early on in the new year, and you'll be able to tell us, guys, that there was X number of found either illegal aliens voting or or double votes, dead people voting, etc. Or do you think that they may be able to cover this up even with the request for the audit? I I'm confident that if we can begin that audit today or or tomorrow, 
that in a in a week or two you and I can have a conversation and we will know uh, uh, the extent of the veracity or lack of veracity in Arizona's election. All right. Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. Congressman, always appreciate it. You and yours have a Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much, Buck. Appreciate it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I think there's been a misinterpretation somehow by some that said that you have to cancel all family interactions. That's a a very important clarification. It sounds like the same advice you were given at Thanksgiving. You know, 10 people in a house, no more than two families at a time that come together. So you have not deviated from that to be to be more clear. I, I think there has been misinterpretation. I've heard and seen tweets saying Fauci says cancel trip uh, Christmas nonsense. I've never said that. I've okay. never said that. I've never said that. I've just said, don't see your loved ones. Don't celebrate with any other human being. Don't gather congregate settings. But I've never said cancel Christmas. Have a great Christmas by yourself without family or loved ones, especially those of you who are at very low risk from the disease or have already had the disease, don't in any way change your mitigation, avoid human contact. And really avoid human contact for the whole winter, but definitely for Christmas, but have a very Merry Christmas alone. Don't go buy a tree. That's risky. You don't need a tree. Stay home alone. By yourself. Have a great Christmas. Yeah, there you go. Yay, I'm glad, I'm glad, we've, uh, I'm glad we've established what's really going on then, that, that we know that he never really said... Um, he never really said that cancel Christmas. Just, just don't see other human beings. Just don't actually spend a holiday with other people and stay locked in your home and only, only go out for food and be terrified when you do it. I think it's really, really great advice from, from Dr. Fauci. Um, and, uh, you know what else he's got great advice about how to keep restaurants, um, open. Oh no, he has terrible advice about that because they're closing all over the place, aren't they? Here's 15. What we really need to do is make sure when we say limit restaurant capacity or close restaurants or close the bars, that has to be accompanied by relief, financial relief. And yet it's not. And so these restaurants are getting destroyed. And for what exactly? Why can't let me ask you this? Why can't Dr. Fauci come out and say Outdoor dining, it's been proven, is not a considerable transmission risk. Therefore, outdoor dining should not be banned anywhere. Why can't Fauci say that? Someone tell me. Why? Think about how much that would help. Thousands and thousands of businesses in New York, in California, in Michigan, in Illinois, in New Jersey, in Massachusetts. Go down the list. Just just that. Just And you say, oh, Buck, it's too cold in all those places. They could set up outdoor heaters. If there was an outdoor heater in my neighborhood outside of some of my favorite local restaurants, they had chairs out on the street, and I was told that, you know, and I just knew that I was going to bundle up. I actually did this. I ate outdoors over the uh, Thanksgiving break. It was freezing. But I was on a balcony and I wore my jacket with a few friends and we ate dinner. If it meant that I could actually be around other human beings and keep a local business going that I love. I mean, this is why people live in cities. 
so they can walk to their favorite restaurant. This is why we've made the choices we have. A lot of you say, why do you live in the city? By the way, you're looking more and more right about your indignation and my unwillingness to leave New York thus far in life. But why can't Fauci say, why can't Fauci say open all the schools? It's no risk, low risk, I should say. Open all the schools. That's the right policy. Outdoor dining is safe. Why won't he say those things? If I felt like there was any good faith from the other side about these issues, I would respond in a far less aggressive manner. But there is no good faith. It's more and more and more lockdown, tighten the screws, no more freedom. I've already told you that. I, I mean, I, I, I think that are in certain situations. I mean, they, they keep calling me an anti-masker. It's the, don't you see? This is the equivalent of when someone points out that the Green New Deal is insane. It's you're a climate denialist. You don't think that climate change is real. No, I think climate change is real. I just don't think it's a catastrophic problem the way that it's being portrayed. And I also know that the way they think they're going to address it is laughable. That's not the same thing as saying I don't think climate change is real. But that that's what they that's what they do. They try to set up a false choice binary and then just bash you. Same same thing here on the masks. I'm not an anti masker. Who's been telling I've been telling you all along N95 masks properly fitted and used in a clinical setting are 100 percent a good idea for preventing respiratory. All all of the data shows this. There's no question. Okay, I'm not someone who walks around saying, oh, but the virus is like this thing and we don't know and it doesn't, you know, no. But I'm just saying, well, let's look at what works. Let's look at what's actually happening. What what is real human behavior? I love this. I'll say I'll tell people I'll say outdoor mask mandates. Why do we have them? And, and the responses I'll get from people that think that they're public intellectuals will be along the lines of it's because people are congregating indoors without masks. You idiot. That's where we're spreading it. And then I want to say to them. So why do we have outdoor mask mandates? Listen to what I am saying. But they don't. He's a mask. I mean, the Daily Mail refers to me as anti-mask. I'm not anti-mask. That's a lie. They're lying. I'm anti-mask. And certain. Yes. I, do I think you should mask when you're alone in the shower? I mean, I don't know what kind of stuff people are into, but I, the answer is no. Does that mean I'm anti-mask? Notice how, how many debates have you seen on this issue anywhere that are worth hearing? Anywhere. None. None. Journalists, social media companies, the Democrat establishment are enemies of free speech now. They are openly advocating for censorship. They always have these these trite and and just moronic things. They'll say like, well, we don't want censorship. We just want to prevent false ideas from being out there. Oh, okay. well, that's not censorship. What would the what would the censors have said about? about the Buckster here saying open up the schools in August. The data shows us it's safe. Was that should I have been censored even more on that? Because I was I was shadow banned on the social media accounts. So should I have been even more censored? Because I was right. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This important symbolic vaccination of the vice president of the United States and the Surgeon General of the United States, which is something we want to be symbolic, to tell the rest of the country the time is now to step to the plate, and when your time comes, 
to get vaccinated. Because when we're speaking to you here today, I often say it is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the vice president mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter. And the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated. Now, isn't it interesting that the people that are allegedly mass deniers like me, and I'm, as I've said, I'm not a mass denier. That is a slur. It's a slander. Uh, I, I've gone through this. I've had to defend myself against social media companies when I point out I've I've never said don't wear a mask. I've never said there's no usage for them. I've just pointed out the inconsistencies, the government overreach and ask the questions about level of effect uh, of efficacy that nobody else seems willing. Not nobody. There are a few Berenson, obviously. God bless the guy. He's very brave. Um, he's a he's a unique fellow. He's a little eccentric. He's very brave on this on this point. He has been. And. You know, that's all that's all that I do. And I, they're vilifying. I mean, people actually reach out to me and, and they think that I'm I'm responsible for like human death or something just because I say, can someone tell me how much does it reduce if you go if you were to anyway, you you know, you all know this, but I just want to make make it very clear. There are only a handful of us that really take this stuff, take the heat on this on a regular basis. And, you know, I'm one of them <laughs> in, in the public eye. I'm one of them. Uh, there's there's about a there's like maybe a dozen or two of us that are getting really hammered on this on a regular basis. So vaccine somehow I'm, I'm, I'm not a vaccine denier. And some of you think that I'm probably too pro vaccine in this instance. Um, I do think that what we've seen on the data shows that for a lot of people who are at high risk, this is a that this is an absolute must. And it's absolutely worth the trade off and the risks. And that's what medicine is all about, risks and trade off and freedom. And that's what it's supposed to be. Not do this or else. But the vaccine, uh, as you've already seen, is not going to be an answer for us to get back to normal, because what about mutations? Will there be will there be covid mutations? Then we won't have a vaccine necessarily that works against that at all. So how can they let us go back to normal? I'm also going to say this, and I know that they've they've created this flu bro thing it's not the flu and you're an idiot. Why aren't we going to have lockdowns and masks in place for flu season next year? What they will say, if they're being honest, is because 50,000 people a year dying from the flu, give or take, is acceptable. And masks are annoying and lockdowns destroy the destroy people's financial and economic lives. So we're not willing to do that. So 50,000 a year we can take. That is the only real answer. They don't have another answer. And I want to be very clear about that. So the people that are all, it's about every life, save every life, don't care what your freedom, save. They're, they don't feel that way about the, they, they will not. Mark my words, we can go back to the show in 12 months and I'll be saying, why aren't we masking up for the flu, guys? We might be masking up for COVID, but it won't be, won't be for the flu. And they'll say, oh, because we can manage that. Well, what they mean by manage is that, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 people in the United States will die from the flu. So that's, that's manageable, apparently, every year, by the way. Right. So. All right. Just making my point there on the vaccine. 
Um, you're starting to see some really ugly stuff here coming from the left. And you you need to be aware of it. You need to be uh, you need to be made informed on what is being said by the left right now about who gets this vaccine and when. This was in the New York Times and hat tip to uh, Noah Rothman and David Harsanyi for putting this in my timeline. Harold Schmidt, an expert in ethics and health policy at the University of Pennsylvania, said that it is reasonable to put essential workers ahead of older adults given their risks and that they are disproportionately minorities. Goes on to say, Older populations are whiter, Dr. Schmidt said. Society is structured in a way that enables them to live longer instead of giving additional health benefits to those who already had more of them. We can start to level the playing field a bit. Did you catch that? Start to level the playing field by getting the vaccine sooner to minorities than to white people because we need more white people to die to level the playing field. That is what is being said in the pages of the New York Times. Just reading you the quote. An expert in ethics and health policy at an Ivy League university, University of Pennsylvania. Wow, health policy experts. These people get way too much credit. We are far too quick to listen to them. This is social justice now mixed with a kind of eugenicist approach. We need we need racial balancing. This fellow is saying this is his argument. I want to be very clear. So when Media Matters tries to clip this, we can tell them to go stuff it. We're very clear. This is Harold Schmidt saying that we need to engage in a balancing out of the death rate so that more white people will die Because as a general proposition, white life expectancy in America is higher than certain other minority groups. So we need to we need to essentially do some uh, some socialist redistribution of years of life. On government whim, you can't get this vaccine unless the government says you can. Government's in control. They're making these arguments out loud. I'm, I'm going to the pages of the most elite liberal journalism place in the country, the New York Times. And they're printing this stuff. And this is not the only example of this. This is not the only instance. You find a lot of this out there. People say, well, it should because it disproportionately harms the minority community. It should go to minorities first. So so skin color, according to this analysis, becomes a an advantage in getting ahead of the line of a virus that will kill people in large numbers still in the months ahead. And let's understand here that there are a lot of other ways that you could slice this data and probably come up with a much better. I mean, what is the primary indicator of risk from covid age? What is the next indicator of risk from covid? Comorbidity and the primary one of those is obesity. Age and obesity are the biggest risk factors for we know this. The biggest risk factors for this disease out there that we've been able to identify. So are we when we're saying that the minority population 
is is more affected by this. Are we not taking into account the other indicators of how we could get more of the at risk population in general, including members of the minority population? But shouldn't we have, you know, it's it's people over 75 first over 75 first in line over 65 first in line. Isn't that a, a fair way to do this? No, they're, they're arguing for they're arguing for giving it to minorities sooner than other people. Based upon what exactly? Because the average life, I mean, the average life expectancy of of Asian Americans, I believe, exceeds that of white Americans. So are we going to have a are, are they are they calling for a a racial hierarchy for the speed of vaccination? That there are some people of some races that should get the vaccine first. Is that really what the, I, I just want to know if that because that is the argument that Harold Schmidt seems to be making here. And you will hear more and more of this in the weeks and months ahead. You want to talk about dividing people. You want to talk about showing us how much government is willing to play God. Harold Schmidt at UPenn wants to level the playing field. So, you know, he wants certain people to have to wait. You know, maybe maybe you have to wait for the vaccine a couple extra months. Sorry, because of the history of oppression in this country. And so we need to balance it out, he says. Pretty scary stuff and something that that this is a mentality that is increasingly widespread among the Democrat elites. You should be very you should be aware of it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. In case in point, I know you want to be as bipartisan and reach across the aisle, but as much as you don't want it to happen, you know that the people who want to make hay in Washington are going to try to use your adult son as a cudgel against you. How do you feel about that? And what do you have to say to those people? Well, look, uh, I have we have great confidence in our son. Uh, I am not concerned about any accusations been made against him. It's used to get to me. I think it's kind of foul play, but uh, look, it is what it is, and uh, he's a grown man. He is the smartest man I know, I mean, in terms of pure intellectual capacity, um, and, uh, and as long as he's good, we're good. And I think he also went on to say that Hunter Biden's the smartest person he knows. Look, a dad, a mom, you never, you never have to say bad things about your kids. Now, that's just not a thing that anyone should be expected to do, you know, and I get that. That's not what we're talking about here, though. Oh, no, no. I want to focus in on the servile, sycophantic approach that Stephen Colbert is taking about how your son is being used as a coach. I thought Stephen Colbert was a comedian. This wasn't very funny. I thought his public persona was that he's a comedian. Did this sound was he making jokes here or is he being a political pundit who hides behind the veil of comedy because he's really not that smart, knowledgeable or capable in a debate? I'm just wondering. But. Here you have quite an interesting dichotomy, don't you? Uh, Hunter Biden, who is a massive screw up, and we all know it, and is a person of horrifically bad judgment. We all know that, too. This is a matter of fact. This is not a question. This is a guy who got kicked out of the military for drug use. He's had to go to rehab. He's had all kinds of problems. And yeah, he thought that selling access to his dad to our primary enemy was no big deal. He, that's just what happened here. That's what we see. That's the reality of what's going on. So 
Why is it, though, that we're going to play the whole, oh, gosh, he's just Joe Biden's son. And why can't we just leave his son alone? They called Donald Trump Jr. a traitor and wanted him sent to prison for what you might ask for sitting down to talk to somebody who said that she had information about Hillary Clinton he needed to hear. That made him a traitor. Donald Trump Jr., a traitor who should go to prison. They wanted him to go to prison. If they could, they would send Jared and Ivanka to prison. They would send little 12-year-old Barron to prison. These people are psychos. So I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not going to shed any tears in it for the, oh my gosh, they're going after your adult son. Hunter Biden didn't have to get involved in all of this. Hunter Biden didn't have to sell access, millions of dollars of, of uh, payments to him for his dad, right, to, to get access to his dad. Didn't have to do that. So there you have it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what we're supposed to take from all this, that Hunter Biden is some huge victim um, after what they did to the president and his family. They wanted to send the president to prison. You guys all know that, right? They wanted Donald Trump to be in a cell because they didn't like what he said. These are the people that also, oh, my gosh, I had a, uh, speaking about Twitter stuff, I had a tweet go viral, and, and it's very straightforward. It's, it's amazing how much it, it upsets some people, too, that the most, I wrote, the most dangerous opponents of free speech in America today are mainstream journalists and social media companies, and the irony should be lost on no one. It is true. Social media companies and mainstream journalists are the biggest danger to free speech in the country because they work together in concert to censor and uh, censor ideas, attack and destroy people and deplatform people based upon ideas that they don't like. And they lie about it. They're lying about it all the time. They lie about what is a fact. They think opinion and fact are the same thing. That is not true. They are the biggest threat to free speech in the country. There's no question about it. And instead of recognizing that that's what's going on, do you know what the journos do? Attack me and say that I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Do I do I ever tell you that someone have you ever heard me say, oh, those libs, I don't like what they said about Russia collusion stuff. So you know what? We should have them kicked off the Internet entirely. I've, I've never advocated for that. They advocate for that against conservatives every day, all the time. They think it's fine. We're, we're effective. We're all Alex Jones. We should all be kicked off all the social media platforms. That's what if they had their way. That is what would happen, except for the, quote, conservatives who don't actually advance any conservative arguments. My friends, you're going to see in the time ahead here, in the weeks, months, and years ahead, who's really worthwhile and who's not. I'm just going to tell you this right now. It's easy, easy to hang on to Donald Trump's coattails in conservative media and just go along for the ride. Now it's going to get tough. Now we're going to see who the real opposition voices are, whose analysis, whose minds are worthwhile in this battle. And not just who's painting MAGA on their chest and going on TV and saying, I love Trump the most. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not necessarily as important to try to win the debates against the other side for people who are supposed to be using their platform to advance the right ideas. Uh, they, they will continue. They've re received nothing but uh, benefit from their efforts to shut down speech they do not like. This is, an, this is an enormous threat to freedom. We talk about freedom in this country. We talk about uh, freedom in America and how we have to protect it. This is a true existential threat to our freedoms and to this republic. If you cannot say things about politics, about core policy issues without 
action in concert from the entirety of the mainstream media and corporations and Democrat government assisting all of this, encouraging all of this, enabling it all. We no longer have the free exchange of ideas. We no longer have the free exchange of ideas. And we should all understand what a disaster that is for the country. That's what we're heading toward now. I've seen today, you know, I haven't really talked about it. I've seen the the latest uh, legal challenges that are being brought. I've seen that Sydney uh, Sydney Powell says that we need to you know get more forensic audits of the machines. I see all this stuff. I'm not involved in those efforts. I can tell you about those efforts. So far, all of them have not been successful. The moment one of them is successful, I'll be doing backflips and we'll be talking about next steps. But in the meantime, I'm also telling you we have Georgia and we have the preparation that we should all be making for the battles ahead. Our liberty is under assault. That's not an exaggeration. That's not a talking point. They are coming after core liberties as an American. And look at the head start they have with all these mandates and all these dictates and restrictions, effectively unlimited power they've claimed because of a a unending health emergency. You think they're going to stop with that? You think this isn't going to extend into their climate policy, their gun control policy? There's an absolutism that has overtaken the Democrat Party. This is real. And that's why they're so comfortable with the censorship. That's why they're so comfortable with kicking people off of platforms. And this is also why they find people like me so threatening, because if I actually have a platform, I will beat them if they actually meet me on the field of ideas. But they won't. So they want to censor. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is the state of freedom in America right now? Get a, a state of the freedom address, if you will, from our friend down in Texas, Mr. Jesse Kelly, host of the Jesse Kelly Show uh, on KPRC Houston, as well as many other places across the country, and on the first TV the Jesse Kelly show is called I'm Right with Jesse Kelly. Jesse, great to have you. Thanks for thanks for having me on, man. Look, look, honestly, I'm sorry to go right into it, but the state of freedom is not good because people don't want it. And I don't mean to be a cynic on a Friday. I really do not mean to be a cynic on a Friday. But I was thinking about this. Something that popped up earlier today about uh, Americans. When are, when are Americans going to take back their freedom? Uh, uh, there was a poll that came out showing the majority of you American workers want their fellow workers to have the vaccine forced on them or lose their job. And I looked at the story and I wasn't surprised. I mean, people are outraged. Eight, nine months ago, just, the government told everyone to go home and everyone did it, Buck. Everyone did it. Everyone just packed up their stuff and left. The Americans don't value freedom because that's all we've ever known now. We just have to accept that. I'm I'm at the point now when I'm wondering when people are going to realize. And when I say when people, because what ends up happening is, you know, this audience will will people get mad when they hear me say this. Understandably, I'm not talking to people. If you listen to this show, because I'm a mask truther and I don't listen to Cy, right? I mean, if you listen to this show, you've already been red pilled and you understand the reality that we face when Je what Jesse and I are talking about is a a plurality or a, a majority of the American people recognizing that. I mean, Jesse, we just had Governor Cuomo. They shut down. They shut down outdoor dining in California after saying outdoor dining was safe and making everyone build all this stuff. Right. Gavin Newsom did that. Governor Cuomo in New York. New York City has half the covid positivity of New York State. But New York City has restaurants totally shut down 
And just to whereas other places do not in the state. And just to add insult to injury, they've now said, even if you are willing to sit outdoors and freeze your butt off to have dinner and keep some of these places going, you are not allowed to go inside and pee. You got to go on the street. Well, that's fine, Buck. I don't know what you're so worried about. Obviously, these restaurants can get by in New York City. It's not like the rent costs a lot of money there. I'm sure it's basically free to have one of those fancy storefronts in New York City. Look, the goal is power. The goal is creating as much misery as humanly possible. And we have enough people. Again, you can blame Cuomo all you want. You can blame that scumbag Gavin Newsom all you want. People should already be rebelling. The only people we see out there, even now, the only people we see out there rebelling against this stuff are small business owners who are personally losing it all. Why are they the only ones out there rebelling? This should be nationwide. People should say, nope, no more. I was promised 15 days. This was all a bunch of crap. And you know what else? Now that I'm just going to be a Debbie Downer on your Friday show, you know what else? Tell me one person, Buck. I, I, honestly, I really want to know. Tell me one person who's been pushing coronavirus panic this whole time who has gone on television and said, once everyone gets the vaccine, we'll end all the lockdowns and we'll end all the restrictions. One person. Tell me one. You can't because it's not going to nope. end. If people think this ends when half the people get the vaccine or 100 people get the vaccine, they've got another thing coming. None of this stuff is going to change. These people all get off on power and the celebrity and the attention of it. None of it's going to change until you change it. But until then, we're all stuck. And I, I've been asking, you know, because the only thing I'm allowed to do, because I don't want to get banned on social media, because I want to be able to reach my audience and, and bring them an, an alternate point of view from the consensus idiocy that's always being for, you know, just what, what I always want to tell people when, when, when I get called a mask truther, which, of course, today, because of what happened with the with the president retweeting me this morning, I'm like the mask truther. It's global now. Daily Mail, one of the biggest websites in the world. Mask truther, the whole thing. I always want to say, yeah, you're right. You know what, guys? Mask mask up between bites. That was official guidance. Go with that one. That's what smart people do. They mask up in between bites because that's really going to do anything worthwhile. But 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 beyond that, why? You know, because I, I want to build on your point here, because I agree. And I've been telling everybody that the vaccine will not be the end. And now and I've been saying that for six months. Right. <laughs> I know you have too. that. It was never going to be. Oh, the vaccine actually makes us go away entirely. Um, why is it that Fauci, the people that advocate for more extreme restrictions, never admit that any of the restrictions that we've seen so far that clearly were unnecessary should stop. Why can't Fauci come out and say, hey, guys, look, I know I'm telling you to stay away from people over Christmas. I know I'm saying that. And that's really harsh. But outdoor dining is 100 percent. There's no data to support outdoor dining bans. And there's no data to support outdoor uh, outdoor mask wearing because there isn't, Jesse. If they would just concede that, then I'd come to the table on more of these other things, not feeling like, we were in some kind of a lab rat experiment. There's no data right now, Buck, showing indoor dining affects anything. None. I mean, they, you've seen all these numbers we have out there right now. I think it's 76 percent. I know it's only over 70 percent of the cases come from family gatherings where people will have COVID and then they'll go mix it up with grandma and grandpa and 15 other people. Indoor dining, I think it was at 1% of the total. There's no scientific evidence right now to show that indoor dining is bad for people. But look, when we talk about Dr. Fauci, what does he have now that he never had before? One year ago, Buck, one year ago from this day, you do politics for a living, hours a day, you talk politics, TV and radio. Did you know who Dr. Fauci was? Had you ever heard his name in your life before? 
No, of course you haven't. None of us ever had. Now Dr. Fauci's on every cable news program. He's throwing out the first pitch. He's on Vanity Fair with this little thing. Why would Dr. Fauci want coronavirus to end? He, it's the greatest thing in the world that's ever happened to him and all these jerk doctors on CNN every single day telling you you're all going to die, go home, hide under your bed. They're living high on the hog. Yeah, and everyone at CNN gets to be these great virtue signaling jokes oh. who, you know, they go out to the Hamptons and the masks come off, you know, in the warm weather. Now they're going down to Florida. By the way, I'm sure they're all going to be in Palm Beach and Miami over the break. I'm going down to Florida over the break. I'm going to see them. I hope I hope I could catch some of them, you know, unmasked out in <laughs> out in their natural habitat in Florida when everyone else is freezing their, their butts off in New York, being pulled the mask up all the time. But I, I just, you know, if Fauci was really concerned about businesses, why won't he why won't he make definitive declarations about what we should be able to do? He will only make declarations about what we cannot. And that is the mentality that people don't understand. They don't understand it at all because they don't understand what's happening. I mean, I really meant it when I said it. And I'm not actually I'm not, I'm not here to tell you Dr. Fauci is the Antichrist. People come up with their own solutions for it. But all these guys and I'm just singling him out because he's one of the main faces. All these doctors, all these experts, all these scientists, they've worked their whole lives. Maybe you have a bureaucracy job. Maybe you're in a hospital somewhere, whatever the case may be. Maybe, maybe you had a great living, but one thing you never, ever had before was fame. And I'm telling you what, people, fame is addictive. People love it. I don't care what people say. People deny that they love it, but it feels good. You're out. Hey, can, hey, can I buy you a steak? Hey, can you take a picture with me? Hey, it's nice to know you. There's a reason people cling to fame until the day they die. And if they lose it, they do anything to get it back. These people all have fame now. Dr. Fauci can't walk five steps without somebody asking for a selfie with him. Ah, oh, can I put this on Instagram? That stuff feels good. So what motivation does he or any other doctor have to go on television tonight and say, look, guys, looks like we're past all this. Coronavirus is over. Thanks. Have a good night. They're never going to invite him back on again. So he has no motivation to do that. I'm not saying he's a bad person, but come on. What I just said is 100% true. I've also got to tell you, I look, I, I wish we could give people the good news is I got a couple of shows next week when maybe we'll do some Christmas caroling on the show or we'll try to we'll try to make everyone, you know, feel like things are a little bit better because right now I don't have I don't have any good news about any of this stuff to spread. Um, and and I, I, I got to tell you what I'm seeing from Republicans right now. I mean, Senate Republicans are trying to Senate Senator Ron Johnson blocked twelve hundred dollar checks for Americans. Uh it's like they want to lose. It's like they want to lose the Senate as well, Jesse. I'm starting to see that with the GOP. They, they've just they've lost the will to fight. They want to be the controlled. Uh, they want to be the controlled opposition again. They, they want to be thought of, you know, in, in their own little sort of precincts and their own little, uh, you know, social groups as those Republicans who sit around with tri-corner hats on talking about the Constitution, who get their butts kicked in election and get pat on the head by the New York Times. What the hell are they doing? The biggest difference between Democrats and Republicans is Democrats actually want power. Remember, Buck, remember, Buck, don't you remember? I know you do. It was how many years of repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare, even when Obama, even when the Democrats had the Senate, and they had the presidency, but we had the House. The House kept passing repeal Obamacare bills. We're going to repeal Obamacare. And the second we got the presidency, Senate, and House, boom, no more repeal Obamacare. No more uh, defund Planned Parenthood. How many fundraising emails have they sent out about that? Republicans 
love being in the minority. They love being able to send out that email to granny. I promise we're going to protect your way of life, your church, and we're going to stop abortion. Just send $50. Next time we get in there, we're going to take care of it. And the second they get in there, nothing. They don't do a daggone thing. Nothing. These people, you, of course they want to lose. It's so much easier to get up on Fox News every single night and act outraged about something when you don't actually have to do anything. The second they got power, what'd they do with it? A little tax cut and nothing else. All this talk about big tech censorship, what did you do about it for the last four years? Nothing. Just cost us nothing. the presidential election. You didn't do anything. And Jesse, I, I've, I've been saying it for a while, but I think we're seeing it again. Republicans are in the Republicans in, in their preferred political approach are the guy in the bar fight who, after all the punches have been thrown, after all the dust is cleared, the police are there, you know, separating people starts yelling from 50 feet away from the action. Hold me back. If I get in there, I'm going to I'm going to lay haymakers on people. <laughs> That's exactly, it's exactly who they are. Uh, that, that is the best analogy ever. I'm totally stealing that for myself because it's exactly who they are. They want to tell the voters, they want to tell their base, I'm fighting for you. I'll fight for you. Just give me a little more. Send me back. I'll fight for you. We're going to fight, 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 fight. We're going to defund this. We're going to defund. And the second they get in power, it's, is that okay, media? Is it okay if I, oh yeah, you're right. That's too outrageous. We can't pass that. We can't pass that. We can't pass that. Well, wait a minute. Maybe we should change some military base names. That'll get me the accolades I want. These, these people, I swear, I'm not a third party guy. I never have been. I still vote Republican all the time. I'm getting closer and closer, Bob. I, I got to tell you, I, I think that we're, I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to thinking that we're in for a really rude awakening on January 5th in Georgia and people are going to turn around and it's just going to be this big Republican circular firing squad. But maybe maybe then that they'll maybe then they'll realize that Trump can't get it all done. I, I think this is what people are they're They're forgetting that Trump Trump is not a secret weapon that wins all obviously wins all political contests. And if you're going to just leave it up to him and leave it up to the Trump Twitter account, which I think, by the way, they're going to take from him soon, uh, we're, we're going to get trounce and to your point about democrats using power i'm i cannot tell everybody this clearly enough if democrats have a senate majority and democrats have joe biden as president they will go for amnesty they will get it and the republican party is in the political wilderness for decades that's what happens 100 percent 100 percent the democrats it would never that's the, see people don't understand the different mentality because we don't think that way we compartmentalize our lives you have your work your family your church and yeah you enjoy politics and you you care about it but they don't think in that way it is all encompassing for that it would never occur to the left not to use power Remember last time they got it all? They passed Obamacare and they had all the poll numbers. They knew the whole country hated it. The numbers were like 75% of the country didn't want them to pass it. But again, they would never look at an issue like that and not do something. Of course you do something with power. Republicans get it and it's like they feel like it's this little baby bird. They just have to care for it. We can't actually let it fly. Oh, no, 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 no. We just have to hold on and soon someone will take it from us so we don't have the responsibility. What's your happiest thought for everybody, Jesse? We gotta, we're gonna, the audience right now, I don't want people to start drinking too much before they even get to their weekend. What is your, what no, is your most positive take right now? 
the happiest thought is this. It actually is going to be a hilarious four years. I mean, Joe Biden, or I should say four months until he resigns. Joe Biden still cannot form a thought. I mean, yeah, it's going to suck. He's going to pack the bureaucracy with a bunch of activists and they're going to pass crappy bills. But but it's going to be a hilarious four years watching Joe Biden shuffle his way out to the podium and drool on himself. I mean, yeah, it's embarrassing. But what else do we have? We have some funny jokes. It's what we'll do. We'll sit back and laugh at it all. It's, life goes on. It will be amusing to watch them try to explain to us how someone that they've known in political life for 40 years was a mediocrity and a loser is now the leader of the free world. And we're all supposed to be excited about that. (laughs) That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Jesse Kelly, everybody, if you're not already, obviously check out the Jesse Kelly show. You can download the podcast. My man, Jesse, thanks for giving us your time, buddy. Have a great one. Be good, boss. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Now, you once said in your own memoir, the role I have always felt most at home in is Dr. Biden. Now, some people have recently taken upon themselves to question that title of yours. Do you have any reaction to those people? Yeah, that was such a surprise. It caught me by surprise (laughs) as well. I did not see that one coming. No, nor did I. And, you know, it was really the tone of it that I think that, um, you know, he called me kiddo. And one of the things I'm most proud of is uh, is my doctorate. I mean, I worked so hard for it. And uh, and my, you know, Joe came when I defended my thesis. And um, but, you know, I got to hand her doctorate on the stage university of delaware but look at all the people who came out in support of me i i mean i am so grateful and i was you know i was just overwhelmed by uh how gracious people were do you think it might be a little bit of a compliment that people are trying to think of something to criticize you about and they're like (laughs) what do we got i I got it okay i'll take it that way look i think it's hilarious that they think that we care what they think about calling Jill Biden doctor or not. I mean, it's also her Ph.D. is flimsy and unimpressive. That's just the truth. It's unimpressive. She has it. That's fine. I also could be an ordained minister online in California if I take like a five minute course. I don't expect everyone to walk around calling me deacon. I don't expect everyone to walk around calling me pastor. Uh, And now you'd say, well, Buck, but there are pastors that we shouldn't. Yeah, it's uh, it's up to you to determine whether you think someone deserves that that title. You know, there are people that I will call doctor who have PhDs because I like them and I'm honest about that. Do I think that everyone should call them doctor? No. Do I think that they should ever tell someone call me doctor? No. Clearly, Jill Biden thinks people should be calling her doctor, which is weird and shows there's look, both the Bidens. They're not very smart. There's an intellectual insecurity here that clearly is coming out with the whole call me this or else. And with Joe Biden, I mean, this guy lied about his academic record. He lied about his academics, done it multiple times, big time. Bottom third of his class, didn't have a scholarship. But, you know, you know, honestly, though, folks, it's just I don't even really care. But what this what this is a reminder of is that you cannot mock the elites. That is one thing they cannot abide. Only they get to mock you. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is all a part of their quest for global dominance, and their success depends on gaining complete control over speech, thought, resources, and their relationships with other nations. 
This is the Chinese Communist Party's master plan. When Xi Jinping took power in 2012, there were a lot of optimistic pundits out there who thought that he would embrace transparency and liberal economic policies. But, oh, my goodness, have they ever been wrong? China has a plan and it is executing on that plan. China is making every uh, taking every action it can to supplant the United States as the global hegemon. That, that's actually happening right now. That, that is going on. And they are looking increasingly, and I think we, need, we all need to be very aware of this, they are looking at ways to direct our politics to that end. If you read some of the old, and there's, there's some great stuff on this in Michael Pillsbury's book, and he's become pretty well-known in conservative circles. I've interviewed him several times before, at least once, I think a couple of times. And he talks about ancient Chinese strategy and the influence that that ancient Chinese strategy has on the on the Chinese Communist Party today. And it even has influence on Wall Street businessmen. I mean, you read uh, you read some of the uh, the great Chinese strategists, right, military strategists. And, you know, that that is something that if you want to understand, I mean, Sun Tzu, of course, the most famous of all, perhaps the most famous military strategist of all time. And if you understand the same way, and this, this would be my exhortation to you right now, especially as we're going into a holiday period here where people are going to have you know, the ability to maybe take some time to do a little bit of reading, catch up on some things, the same way that uh, they would advocate in things like Sun Tzu uh, for strategies that are still being implemented today. And I, I always tell you, for example, that we, if you understand... Saul Linsky, if you understand Cloward and Piven, you understand the modern Democrat activist model and the socialist Marxist roots of it and why it attacks society. But what what their strategies, what their tactics will be. um, That's also true if you understand uh, ancient Chinese history and these philosophers. And it's much better. And you can even go back. Here's an here's a way of looking at this. Go back to the Mongol period. What is the best way? The best way to take a city, if you're if you're a military force, right? What is the what is the single best way to do it? Now, number one is to just get the people in charge to concede, and you buy them off, and you're now a vassal state, right? That's that's one. That's one, or you're you know a vassal city. That's one option, and that was what Genghis Khan. I know he's not Chinese; he's Mongol, but a similar idea here, and he fought. Uh, he fought a series of wars against uh, against China and of course, and his heirs were fighting against uh, Chinese dynasties. Um, but the best way is if you can get them to just if you cannot fight at all and just get what you want anyway by the by the threat of fighting. But there's another way that's the second best option, and that is inducement of either the elites or inducement of just someone on the inside to open the gates and drop the defenses at the appointed time. That's a great way to take a city. There's still going to be some fighting. There's still going to be some bloodshed. But why storm the why storm the fortified walls when you can have someone for just a few pouches of gold coins open the doors at the right moment and let your troops flood in? And then, of course, the other op- option would be siege, wait it out, and and uh, or just storm the walls all out, all out of salt. 
China is taking uh, is taking the first two approaches in different ways. But really, the, the second approach is the one that gets I, I think that that we should be most aware of. And yes, of course, I could bring up Hunter Biden here. I could bring up Eric Swalwell inducements to the elites to abandon their post, so to speak, inducements for them to to betray their principles without even recognizing it. You know, it's one thing to throw open the gates of your city to the Mongol horde, let's say. That's one move. I think you kind of know you're definitely selling out your city, but you could justify it to yourself, right? You'd say, well, there'd be so much more bloodshed if I didn't do this. Think about how easy it would be for somebody who is benefiting financially, their company's benefiting financially, let's say, from access to Chinese markets, or in the case of like Hunter Biden directly, is just getting paid off by Chinese businessmen. How easy is it to say, yeah, I'm not doing, there's no quid pro quo here, but let's just, let's take a less aggressive trade posture toward China. Let's let's take less uh, of a confrontational approach to the Chinese Communist Party's theft of intellectual property and of trade secrets and and all the things that they've been doing for years. Now, you can justify in all different ways in your head. Oh, but conciliation is better than confrontation. You can come up with some cute slogans. You catch more flies with honey, right? Whatever it may be. You can do this, but ultimately you're just justifying. You're just justifying this behavior. You're justifying the sellout. And that's why it's so effective, because it's easy. It's easy. In in the tradecraft of spying, you know, there, there's a way that they will approach these things when they try. And this is you have to be aware of this from a counterintelligence perspective. They often want you to start small. They often want you to just tell tell them something that's not even important, not sensitive, won't get you in any trouble. But you kind of get in that habit and you think, OK, well, you know, it'll be best for both our countries if I pass them this, you know, sensitive but unclassified assessment. And so people do that. They say, OK, well, I'll give them. It's not a classified, sensitive, unclassified. And then they come back to you and they say, well, that was so helpful. You know, relations between our countries, which are in your interest and mine, are getting so much stronger because of this. So but we need to know a little more about that subject. And, and I don't want to ask you to do anything wrong here. But if you could get us that that important data that's maybe technically classified, but, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, and we're going to pay you for your risk on this. And you're being a patriot by doing it. You're, you're helping your country by getting us that information. That's how they make people into spies. You know, it's in the movies. It's always, you know, uh, you know, my name is, you know, my name is Svetlana and I am beautiful. I want you to steal the microfilm for me because it will be good for our country or whatever. And then the guy like falls in love. And then later she's like. I am not actually Svetlana, I am Oleg, and, you know, like, pulls off the wig and the whole thing, and it's like, ha-ha, I have you now, you know, like, that, that, that's, that's not really how it actually usually goes. Maybe it goes that way online, yeah, that's for sure, but it doesn't really go that way in real life. The way that I'm telling you it works is how they get people to, it's, it's a slow boil of the frog. They get people to betray their country slowly, and that has happened on a massive scale with the elites in our own country. They've gotten them to take this. And when you look at what we've allowed China to get away with, when you look at what kind of policies they've been able to engage, 
you, you sit there, you say, how could this be? How was it a near bipartisan consensus that a country of a billion people that's a totalitarian state that does not allow basic freedoms for its citizens that imprisons and, and quote, reeducates Uyghurs in concentration camps? How is it that we thought that they would just get better as they got richer and more powerful? Isn't that the most dumbass analysis you've ever heard in your life? That, my friends, has been U.S. policy toward China for the last 25 plus years. Let's just let them get richer, build out their military, advance their technology to where there's parity with ours or even excelling ours in some areas, and then they'll just want to be friends like the Dutch. Then they'll want to be friends like uh, our relationship with, you know, Argentina. We'll be buddies. No, doesn't really work that way, does it? How did they get to that point? If you think it's just a failure of analysis, I don't think you're paying attention to what we're seeing here with the Swalwell situation, which is just indicative. Look, Swalwell is not a one. You know, this isn't like the the one guy that they got that that broke all the secrets or something. And, and who knows? Swalwell might not have told any secrets. And I think we do have to be honest about that, friends. I know it's fun to bash him because the whole thing, because he was such a hypocrite and a fraud in his own way. But um, I, 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 you know, we shouldn't say someone is it. I don't want to do what the left does and call people a traitor without evidence. A buffoon who was, you know, who was clearly defrauded and swindled by a Chinese spy, sure. But a traitor is a level beyond that. And I'm no Swalwell defender. I think the guy's a jackass and he called other people a traitor, which is disgusting. But we maintain our principles even when the left does not. But look at what is well, look at what has happened here. Hunter Biden. China was China was funneling money to this guy. This is the son of the president. How easy. What an amazing investment that was going to be or son of the would be president. Right. What an amazing investment. Millions of dollars goes to Hunter Biden. He sits down with with Joe and he just says, hey, dad, you know, let's let's like let's just show them that we want to be friends. Let's ease off these trade restrictions on China. And he can tell himself the whole time he's doing a good thing. He's doing he's helping America by saying this stuff. He's also, of course, lining his pockets in the process. But you see the comparison, you see the parallel between how you betray your country as a spy for the other side and how China has infiltrated U.S. foreign policy, diplomatic and commercial circles in such a way that they've been they've been pulling our policies to in their favor for so long. And we've had the we've had the wool pulled over our, our eyes. We just have. And Donald Trump woke us up from this. He was the change all of a sudden in this process. And that meant that he had to be dealt with. Now, I haven't been able to see, because I no longer have a security clearance, I haven't been able to see what the assessment is in this intelligence community assessment about what the Chinese Communist Party tried to do on behalf of Joe Biden in this election. And I know there are people who will go to extreme lengths to suppress that, because that goes so against the narrative. But my guess and it is my guess, is that there were some pretty substantial efforts on the part of China to help Joe Biden. And not, not the kind of minimal stuff, little, you know, uh, joke stuff, ridiculous stuff, like buying a couple of Facebook ads that say hashtag lock Hillary up or something, right? 
$100,000 on Facebook. There are people that you there are people that you know who are spending $100,000 a month uh, marketing their podcasts, which is why they have people listening to them, even though their podcasts are trash. All right, people spend a lot of money on this stuff. Yeah, you think on Facebook alone, you you think that a hundred thousand dollars changes the trajectory of an election in even one state? That's that's insane. But I want to find out what China did on behalf of Joe Biden because we already know what China wanted to do on behalf of Joe Biden's son. So we do need to continue to press on this one. And uh, I'll just remind you of this. The Democrat Party's history when it comes to betraying American interests in favor of our, our only real global competitor is a dark and, and frightening one because there were a lot of Democrats who were making common cause with the Soviet Union during the Cold War. This is a fact. Prominent Democrats in, in powerful roles in the government. They were always taking a softer tone toward Moscow during the Soviet era. They were undermining efforts to confront the evil empire of the Soviet Union. And there were communist penetrations of the United States government. That is, those are all true statements. And the Democrats pretend they wipe, oh, it's just McCarthyism. They make the whole thing just with a wave of a hand. It all goes away, doesn't it? We're going to find out that Chinese influence operations in the United States, this is a highly sophisticated incredibly wealthy and very motivated and dedicated effort. Chinese influence operations in the United States have been on a scale that will be mind-blowing and awe-inspiring and will make us really question whether we can trust the elites in this country at all. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I'm stunned by two things. First, the uh, unfolding stories of the extent of this breach of our national security by the Russians. And second, by the silence of the White House. Why hasn't this president spoken out against the Russians and what they have done? They compromised our basic national security and the depths of it we still don't know. He's just as silent about this episode as he was about the Russian bounties on American soldiers. They're still talking about Russia stuff as if that's the prize. I mean, these people are nuts. That's Dick Durbin, Democrat. I mean, it, notice we talk about China, which is the real threat. Anyone who knows national security knows China's the real threat. And now they're talking about how Trump won't speak out about Russia. Yeah, we think that maybe that Russia may have hacked into a bunch of stuff in this country. China's hacking into stuff all the time, constantly. And they're as if not more sophisticated at hacking operations than the Russians. They have a heck of a lot more money and resources than the Russians do. But they still Russia, Russia, Russia. They've brainwashed MSNBC viewers into, you know, this is just the the hamster hits the pedal and gets a Russia pellet. That's what this is all the time. They can they can escape as a result of this Here Here's Joe. Here's Joe Biden letting you know, oh, gosh, we're going to be we're going to be real. We're going to be real tough on Russia again. Play seven. I'm sorry. No, eight, eight. What happens to our relationship with Russia? There has been essentially patty cake with Russia for the last four years, regardless of the fact that we knew that they attacked our election. And we've just found out for the last eight months at least, they've been setting up base camp in both economic, financial, and national security organizations in the United States. How do you make sure they don't do this again? What is the message? How do you send that message of a brushback pitch I've to sent the Russians? The message. They'll be held accountable. They'll be held accountable. Can you give us a appetizer of what that accountability might be individuals as well as entities will be uh 
find they have there's financial repercussions for what they did ability to access a lot and we have to invest a lot more money in cyber we have to invest a lot more money in dealing with the ability to respond as well as the the ability to be more protect both private and public entities and we haven't made that commitment we will under my administration trump has been sanctioning russia under his presidency, they've been using sanctions, targeted sanctions to go after Russian oligarchs. Trump sent missiles to Ukrainian military forces so that there would be the threat of their usage against Russian armor in eastern Ukraine, which the Obama administration, just to remember, and I spoke to Obama's NSC director for Ukraine about this on air. I'll never forget that one. Yeah, Obama wasn't willing to do it. Too provocative. Trump did it, sent missiles to our Ukrainian allies. Trump was the commander in chief who gave the OK for our forces in Syria to bring the battle to the enemy in a way that included killing 200 Russian paramilitaries in the Syrian desert. But patty cake, Steve, I mean, Stephen Colbert is an ignorant fool. He's supposed to be a comedian. He's not funny. And so what does he do? He pretends that he has some knowledge he's going to share with the public playing patty cake with Putin. Where's the where's the where's the policy patty cake? Show me it. Show me where we were also favorable toward Russia. It's it's absurd. But these people, they never change. The tune never shifts. They're they're brainwashed. They're stuck on this. And their plan is to just continue saying the same nonsense. They're never going to give it up. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. Feel those funky beats. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. Um, and uh, producer Mark, producer Mark is his vacation. I'm with you guys. Just so you remember, I'm with you guys Monday, Tuesday. The Godfather takes over Wednesday. We got a best of Christmas show on Thursday. Um, but producer Mark, we lose him until the new year. This is our last producer Mark session before 2021 so we just want to all check in on you buddy say thank you for all your work and uh and and making sure that i actually show up to do the show every day and keeping me from flipping out and cursing at all the libs and things like that i appreciate it well thank you uh you, you're welcome and thanks to all the listeners for keeping us uh, employed yeah listening all this growing time. our show keeps growing exactly our radio station ratings are great our podcasts on demand ratings are great thanks to all of you and we want them to be even more great. So please do tell people over the holiday uh, holiday and a great way to get them. Give them a, one of the Shields High episodes. Give them the Dracula one. Uh, we're going to have more of them in the new year. But if they're not really into politics, maybe we kind of maybe the gateway drug to being red pilled by Buck is a Shields High. So that's that's one way to go. Um, but just get them to listen to listen to the first 15 minutes of a show like today. And I think that we'll have more people joining Team Buck. But producer Mark, we do appreciate it. And you're just planning on on having a kind of a chill one, right? Nothing really. Yeah, just clearing my head. Uh, you know, maybe I'll find some local things to do here in New Jersey, but uh, I don't know what's open right now. That's the problem. There's not much to do. Yeah, it's and it's going to get even. The restrictions are going to get even tighter on all of us. That's what's going to happen. 
Hopefully so, after Christmas at least, so I have this next week to uh, do something. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I hope that we can get some stuff done. Is there a... So I think you told me, is, is there a movie that's not a Christmas movie, though, that you are planning on diving into over this break? I think the new uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is coming out on HBO Max. Uh, definitely going to check that one. The first one was great. Did you see it? Oh, Wonder Woman was excellent. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed so the, that. So the new one's coming out. Uh, it's going to be in theaters and HBO Max, the, the thing they're doing. I'm not going to go to the theaters. Why? I already have HBO Max. Um, but that So can I get... I have a smart TV. It's like an old crappy one, but it is a smart TV. So I can get HBO Max? Yeah, or if not, you have your PS4, right? Yeah. You can just download it to that. Really? Yeah. The PS4 is a, a multimedia device now. I was, I was unaware of that. That's something new every day. I feel like I've lost my edge in Call of Duty recently. I'm really, I'm, I'm just getting, I'm just getting smoked all the time. So I don't know. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'm gonna double down over the holiday and, and improve my skills a little bit. So you won't have much else to do. Not much. Nope. It's gonna be a. It's You're gonna, gonna be, be on a beach while I'm uh, freezing. I am gonna go down to Florida for a few days and see and see what it's like to live in a place where there's less less crazy people. That'll be interesting to try that out. So I'm looking forward to, looking forward to getting some of that action going on. And for all of you, just so you know, December 28th is my birthday, so I will not be doing a show that day, but if you want to send birthday wishes, I do appreciate it. So I know that's very needy of me. Send me birthday wishes, but December 28th is my birthday. I'll be, I'll be, I, I said 29 recently. I wish. I'll be 39 years young. 39. Um, so pushing 40. The big, the big 4-0. Are Bruce Mark, where are we, we going to do the Freedom Hut 40th? That's what I was going to say. Are we going to have a big Freedom Hut birthday yeah, bash we're next have, year? Yeah, we're going to have to do a Freedom Hut 40th somewhere. I don't oh. know. Somewhere where like the team can just sort of show up. I'll just like take over. I'll take over a barbecue joint somewhere and and I'll turn and I'll we'll have like a tiki beach theme in the middle of December. And uh yeah, that 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 would work. Oh, hopefully we'll find a nice New York City restaurant, maybe do a live show. There we go. Yeah. That would be oh, I mean, restaurants in New York will still be a thing that exists at that well, I point. I hope so. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, yeah. I really think that we're all just going to be getting our we're, we're all going to be getting our takeout from like CVS, you know, like uh, CVS Deli. You know what I mean? Those yeah. uh, what would CVS Surf? No, they have food now in some of these in some of these like Dwayne Reeds and CVSs. I would never. Oh, I, I know. Well, not like fancy food, but yeah, you know, like, they I like, would buy a bag of chips at a CVS. Yeah, they, but no, they've got prepared sandwiches in some of them. They, you know, they they sell food in some of them. Now. What kind of hunger do you have to have to eat that? I don't know. I always think it's it's interesting to me that people like when they have the options, and they're in a gas station. We all know that there are the gas. And this is important tip for everybody over the holiday. There are the gas station staples. Any drink you find in the in the uh, the fridge, of course, is the drinks are all fine. I mean, if you want to drink like that monster energy stuff and be bouncing off the walls, that's up to you. But uh, any any drink you find that that's. But if you're going to go with the food, you know, there are your go to's. There's potato chips. There's, you know, pretzels. There's there's any kind of candy. I don't understand people that are like, you know what? I'm in a gas station. I'm going to get the sushi. I don't oh understand that move. That People just, do it. I've seen them do it. And I mean, maybe, maybe I'm missing out. They sell out. it, but that's just, wow. I mean, well, the usual, only... But usually it's like California. It's not, usually it's not the real yeah, sushi sure. sushi, but it's like the California roll sushi or whatever. But I just feel like they're, I feel like they're stronger choices than, choices than that. The only gas station convenience store that I will eat at is Wawa. Oh, they make good sandwiches. They make amazing sandwiches. I've and had... the iced tea lemonade. 
Legendary. Yeah, in their in my gluten eating days, I actually I remember going to Wawa a few times and getting really good sandwiches there. So that's a real thing. Yeah, that is the best convenience store. But other than that, I'm not eating it. I'm not eating a Seven Eleven hot dog. I'll regret what is, that. I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna confide in everybody. I'm gonna tell them the truth. What is your your bougie? What is your bougie um, sort of snack of choice? Like, do you have any snack that you're like I'm going for the fancy? Because for me. Uh-huh. I, I like fancy potato chips. That's right. I like those blue, like, Terra chips or whatever. I like oh, the those sweet. Those are great. I like sweet potato chips in avocado oil. Ooh, I get bougie about my potato chips. I mean, I'll also eat the oots and that kind of stuff, but I like the bougie chips. I would say anything from Trader Joe's seems bougie. It's not because it's really cheap, but it seems bougie. Yeah, there you hmm. go. All right, let's get to our roll call because uh, people write in and we should hear from them. Sage, aloha from Maui, Buck and producer Mark. We all already know the media is in this country is corrupt and fraudulent, but I just want to reiterate and reemphasize how bad it really is because I don't think people realize it. Imagine if the legacy media all reported on and treated Trump even somewhat fairly. We wouldn't even have to worry about voter fraud uh, because Trump would have won 49 states. If we had a real media, the Democrat Party would be finished. When Trump says the media is the enemy of the American people, it cannot be overstated how bad it really is. When it all came out and we were trying to yell it from the rooftops, I asked a family member of mine who watches CNN and nothing else what she thought uh, or CNN and nothing else what she thought of the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. I'm not kidding. She replied, I thought his son died. He has another son. I almost can't blame her for thinking Trump is Hitler. There is a whole generation who still are still stuck thinking that the evening news is real, because why wouldn't it be? Sage, aloha. Maui, man, that's producer Mark. Freedom Hut Maui would be nice. Let's go. I'll go tomorrow. Yeah, sign me up for that. Maui would be great. Oh, it's a little expensive, a little expensive. Um, Sage, what you're saying is all true. And there are a lot of people out there, a lot of good people out there who I, I, I don't blame them. They're just... They they're getting information. It would be like if I was looking at data from a company. Right. I I do a little bit of investing on my own. I'm actually pretty good at it, you know, for for an amateur. I'm a pretty good investor. I will say that Uh, I I make money. So I do some investing. And if I was reading a a 10K or if I was reading uh, just earnings reports from a company and I'm assuming that this is real, that these are honest numbers I'm getting from the company. And the numbers are cooked and I make a mistake based on that. Is that on me or is that on them? There is a dynamic at play where people think that they're getting because there's this whole apparatus of the objective news organization. There's this whole apparatus out there that tells people, okay, well, sure, you know, MSNBC is opinion, but is NBC News opinion? No, that's news. That's news. And I understand that people are busy and they're not all rooted. I mean, I live my life in this media matrix. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with it all the time and I see all the players and I know what's going on. And this is my this is my expertise. This is what I really know a lot about. And for other people, they've got lives to lead. So I'm sympathetic to those who are saying, hold on, wait, I didn't hear about that. Because why would they? Ninety five percent of the media takes the same opinion, covers the same stories and doesn't want to share alternative points of view. And now they're actively working to suppress people like me. Now they're actually working to shut down people like me. Say you're not you're not allowed to have these opinions anymore. Never mind that they shouldn't be uh, you know, watched or shared. 
by people. So, uh, Sage, you, you're you're correct. Very astute analysis, and uh, I appreciate you writing in from Maui. Marcella, oh my buck, thanks for having Jack Posobiec on today. Jack has long populated my Twitter timeline with abundant goodness every day. Hearing two of my favorite pundits, Jack and you, to be clear, having a slice of uh, having a conversation was a slice of heaven. Great chemistry. More of Buck and Jack, please. Whenever the two of you can manage it, much love. Well, Marcel, I'm so glad. Jack, I, I, I've always liked Jack Posobiec. I call him Poso. Uh, he's a good dude. He's smart. And, and he's got some, um, can I say cojones on radio? You already did, but yes, yes, you can. Okay, okay. He has some of those. Or also, I believe I could also say huevos. So, uh, Jack, Jack's a good dude, and, uh, and I'm glad that you enjoy that conversation. And I, I try to, you'll notice that a lot of the people that I have, I mostly try to get people on radio, and anyone that I have on regularly is a person that I, I, I don't only think has worthwhile things to say, but is also a good dude or dudette, as the case may be. Uh, I try to have just good, good, solid people as a part of what we do because I, it's, you know, I get to make these choices. It's one of the things I love about radio is I get to say who comes on and who doesn't. Uh, TV can be a little more complicated sometimes. TV is a team sport. You always got to remember that. So there's more than just, you know, your opinion that goes into a TV show. Uh, Marcella. Oh, that was Marcella. Gina. But a couple points I want to share. One, for the first time ever, I do not agree with your excitement over the vaccine. I have never received the flu shot and I've not had the flu in almost 30 years. The TV doctors, politicians and those like Bill Gates who insist on it give me reason for pause. I literally feel like they will have to hold me down to take it. I am cautious and I keep my distance. I'm not an idiot and I can look after myself and others. Two, the holidays are a sad time for all of us who listen to talk radio 12 hours a day. I'm relieved the Godfather will be filling in. Thanks for bringing in a familiar voice. And three, Merry Christmas to you, Mark, and the Snow Princess. We love you here in Radio Land Shields High. Well, Gina, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your uh, your encouragement. And I wouldn't I mean, I'm not I'm more I'm just excited about the prospect of us being able to get the kind of momentum we need to get our lives back. I mean, I'm not excited. I don't think I'm getting the vaccine until at least probably June. So I have to just go through. I mean, by that point, who knows how much virus will even really be left out there in free circulation. Right. So I'm going to be pretty far down the back of the line on all of this. Um, and yeah. So I, I and then as for um, as for the Godfather, yeah, Michael Pelk is a great guy. I'll never forget. I mean, this is what I said about people I like. Michael Pelka, when I was first, almost, it'll be, I think I, I started in media 10 years ago this June. That was when I started my media career. So it'll be almost a decade. And and Michael Pelka, um, when I first started radio about a year into my media career, the godfather, I call him that not because of Don Corleone, but because he reminded me of Mitch, who was the guy who started the fraternity in old school and he was like, because he was the, the blaze had all these like kids in their 20s. And the godfather was a little bit older than us. Michael Pelka was a couple of years ahead of us. Um, and Mike was always supportive to me, always encouraging to me, always kind to me. And and most people thought that my, you know, trying to start a radio career at that point, I, I, I was already I was almost 30. It was, you know, uh, and yeah, I was filling in for Rush Limbaugh within two years of starting radio. So. Obviously, things a few things broke in my favor. But when I started out, nobody thought that I was going to be able to do this or I was going to be anything of this. And Mike was when I needed a guest, Mike would join. He'd make a call on my behalf. 
Those are the kind of people that I like to make a part of the Freedom Hut. So if you want to know what, why, why do I, I, I have Michael Pelka filling as much as he does? One, he's a, he's a competent, solid host in his own right. And two, he's a damn good guy, and, and I appreciate him. So that's why. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, some more roll call to kick us off for the weekend because, indeed, everybody is working for that weekend. Uh, David, my favorite quote of the year is, we're wearing masks, jackass. Love the podcast, man. <laughs> Thanks, David. We are. We're, 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 there's so much masking going on in this country. It's like our, our it's now our daily ritual. Got to have the mask. I can, the same way that I check cell phone, wallet in the pocket, mask in the pocket, uh, you know, th- that's it, I used to not leave without my keys. Now I don't leave without my keys and my mask, you know, and not because I, I want to, but because this is required in New York. So, so, yeah, we're masking up. That is for sure. But, yeah, we are wearing masks. Jackass Cuomo. We're doing it. Candace Buck, I'm an ICU nurse and I received a covid vaccine. I was expecting a band aid with Operation Warp Speed. Thank you. President Trump printed on it, but no luck. Oh, sorry. Operation Warp Speed. Thank you, President Trump printed on it, but no luck. Yeah, close enough. It is unfortunate the drive-bys are unwilling to give the Trump administration credit um, uh, for this achievement. It's up to Team Buck to remind people why we have a vaccine so quickly. Trump and capitalism. Thanks for all you do. Producer Mark shields high. Um, yeah, Candace. I mean, they're never going to give Trump credit. That That is for sure. So we might as well just be honest about that. Uh, but thank you for being an ICU nurse. Thanks for being on the front lines, Candace, keeping people as healthy as possible, helping save lives and get people back to their families ASAP. We really do appreciate Candace and all those like her first responders, doctors, nurses, all medical personnel, EMTs, uh, police, fire. I know you guys get called in and gals get called in a lot, too. Jay, Buck, thank you for all you do. Thank you for being level headed and telling us the truth, for keeping us all grounded in reality. And not telling us what we want to hear about the election outcome. Well, Jay, thank you. I, I appreciate that you appreciate that because I know there are, a lot, there are a lot of people out there who are just pandering and it's gross. I want to take a minute to say that even in defeat, Trump is still winning. America is still winning. Think about it. We know we all know everything Trump has accomplished, cutting regulations, dealing with China, the deep state. But in defeat, dare I say, his greatest accomplishment is exposing the extent of the election fraud machine. Uh, we can survive two years of Harris Biden if we hold the Senate. I don't believe the left will be able to pull the same shenanigans in this upcoming runoff because everyone's watching. Don't give up. Shields high. Well, Jay, that is perfect. Thank you for a great message. It's a good way for us to uh, to close things out here today. And my man Jay is 100 percent right. Don't give up, team, no matter what. Shields high.